when you are trying to attract talent for your law firm, I mean, it, it's not enough to just say, I want a paralegal, right? It has to be more advanced than that. I want a paralegal who, and I want you to tell me five things that that paralegal is going to be able to do for you. Like, okay, when you hire a paralegal, because let's say we're running a job ad for any type of law firm, we go out to hire a paralegal. What someone thinks a paralegal is going to be right. based on their past experience. So one person who's been a paralegal reading that job ad may think that a paralegal is supposed to be blank, but that in your firm may be what you call a case manager or a legal assistant. This is why precision in copy, and there you go, right? Like we're already going into seminar level material. Precision in copy makes a difference, but why do people panic over precision in copy? Because they go, well, if I'm that precise, I'm right. gonna rule out a bunch of people. Yeah, that's the point. You don't want the person who doesn't have the type of experience, the person who doesn't align with you. You, you write those five job categories mm -hmm. that they have to be able to do. If they can't do three of them, then why are you even having the conversation? And that starts with knowing what you want. And now we can start, I mean, gosh, clarity, right? I know that you guys work with the law firm owners on this, on generating clarity. What are you actually trying to do here? You can tell me you want more revenue. What's it going to change in your life? Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. And Michael, today we've got a really cool guest. You and I have known him for a minute. We've, I personally have watched him grow. I saw him start way back when he was your age. And, <laughs> and I've watched him grow in this industry and his knowledge and his passion. And the, the great news is his passion has remained the same at the same high level and his knowledge has started to exceed his passion. Seriously, I mean, what he knows about how to run a law firm and what it looks like on the inside of a law firm, he's learned at the grassroots, but he's also learned by working with hundreds of law firm owners that are listening to this podcast. And so, Michael, I'm super excited to talk to Charlie today, aren't you? Oh, I'm stoked. And Charlie, welcome on. Super excited to have you. Guys, I'm so excited. I mean, Richard... I've known you for, I guess, a decade now. I can remember conversations back at the Crown Plaza Hotel about Infusionsoft follow-up oh, systems and different business models. And Michael, I mean, I, I, you and I started to get to know each other a few years ago. And I, you know, I have people who have worked within the closing room, have improved their closing percentages, all that type of stuff. So I'm just excited to talk with you guys and serve this collective audience. Yeah, you know, well, it's funny, you, you mentioned the Crown Plaza, you know, you have been part of a world that puts on events, and we obviously put on events. And I think back to the day when Dan's like, nope, I will put out four sodas. There's just barely enough food to feed everybody. And, you know, we'll see if we can order some more. And we're going to the Crown Plaza in Independence, Ohio, nothing, nothing against Independence, but you know, the Crown Plaza mm -hmm. hadn't had a reset in 35 years. And, and he didn't care. Like he, that wasn't, he yep. did not, that was not his focus. His focus was the information and the people that you got surrounded with. And it worked for all of us. We all complained about the elevator and, you know, yep. whatever, but we all still showed up. Right. And, and so it just goes to show that 
when you get really great conversations going, like we're going to have today, it doesn't matter what the food is like and, and what the beds are like and if the place is at a reset. Today, we're, we're going to have a great conversation regardless of what they think about my clothes or your T-shirt or Michael's <laughs> polo, right? <laughs> yeah, and I promise to everyone, you're not going to hear an air conditioner in the background just going for eight hours overnight. <laughs> It sounds like that's still pretty familiar to you there. Burned into the brain. I'm sure Richard and I have flashbacks on it. Yeah, it, it was. He demanded that the Crown Plaza would have air conditioning on in the middle of February in, in, in Ohio. And I literally would bring my beanie to these meetings because I would have to wear a, a hat. I was, you know, I'm bald, obviously. So I'd have to wear a hat in the middle of the meeting. And everybody got a oh, kick yeah. out of it. But I was doing it out of pure survival mode. I mean, I was freezing my tail off. You know, so anytime anybody complains to me in my room that is too cold in the room, I'm like, you have no idea. No idea. <laughs> you are lucky to have this good temperature. Um, anyway, sorry, Michael, I didn't mean to derail us. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Charlie, why don't you know, for everyone that has not yet had an opportunity to meet you, why don't you start by breaking the ice with something that maybe not everybody knows about you? So it's something that people who will inevitably find out about me, which is that I was a theater major in college. You know, that was my starting point. I became, I got involved in acting and drama in high school. I fell in love with it. But the issue was, is that I wanted to be a father and husband more than I wanted to be a poor, starving actor. So I needed to find a different path in life. And I'm glad I did because that led me to meeting people like you guys. I mean, Richard, you know, I'm meeting you because I took a different path, started working for Ben Glass and completely changed my life. But that's something that when people first are learning about me, that's the surprise. You are what now? A theater major? But then it starts to make sense once they see me talk for a while, get a little verbose and bounce around on stage. Yeah, no, you, you've definitely got the theater major in you. I've seen you in action. Oh, yeah. and, and so <laughs> it's interesting. You Did you answer one of Ben Glass's old-fashioned ads? He maybe still runs them. That is like, if your mother, if you still need your mother to tell you how to tie your shoes, this job is likely not for you. Did you, is that one of those ads that you 100%. answered? 100%. Back when they ran them on Craigslist, right? Right. So right. yeah, it's one of these ads. If you'd be happy flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, get out of here, chump, right? It was really <laughs> on the nose language. But that was the thing, of course, that appealed to me because at, coming out of school as a theater major, I'm thinking to myself, what's the one scenario I don't want to end up in? I don't want to end up waiting tables. It's not an offense to waiting tables. I love people who wait tables. I tip heavy on people who wait tables because... I know that's the alternate, like alternate, we have all the Marvel movies now with the multiverse in a multiverse version of me. I'm actively waiting tables right now. And I'm much more <laughs> grateful to be on this path, entrepreneurship in my life than that one. But that's what drove me to, I was like, yes, I don't want to be that. This is what I want to go do. And I mean, you know, we say long story short, but truly long story short, here we are today. Yeah, but it's a great lesson. And we could, you and I and Michael could teach a day on this lesson alone but how to write good copy that repels those that you don't want and attracts those that you do want, right? I mean, Ben did a great job with that back in the day. He does a great job with it now, but obviously even back then writing a Craigslist ad, he repelled the wrong person and attracted the right person. Huge lesson for everyone that, you know, it, when you are trying to attract talent for your law firm, I mean, it, it's not enough to just say, I want a paralegal, right? It has to be more advanced than that. I want a paralegal who, and I want you to tell me five things that that paralegal is going to be able to do for you. Like 
okay, when you hire a paralegal, because let's say we're running a job ad for any type of law firm, we go out to hire a paralegal. What someone thinks a paralegal is going to be based on their past experience. So one person who's been a paralegal reading that job ad may think that a paralegal is supposed to be blank, but that in your firm may be what you call a case manager or a legal assistant. This is why precision in copy, and there you go, right? Like we're already going into seminar level material. Precision in copy makes a difference, but why do people panic over precision and copy? Because they go, well, if I'm that precise, I'm going to rule out a bunch of people. Right. Yeah, that's the point. You don't want the person who doesn't have the type of experience, the person who doesn't align with you. You, you write those five job categories that they have to be able to do. If they can't do three of them, then why are you even having the conversation? And that starts with knowing what you want. And now we can start, I mean, gosh, clarity, right? I know that you guys work with the law firm owners on this, on generating clarity. What are you actually trying to do here? You can tell me you want more revenue. What's it going to change in your life? I mean, this copywriting, I mean, I, I, you know, Richard, you and I have a lot of experience in this. Michael, I'm sure that you've got your copywriting chops as well. And the magnifying ability of copywriting and learning that elemental skill. And I'm not talking about how to post on Twitter, right? I'm talking about, can you write an eight page sales letter that moves someone from next to nothing to, I have to buy this thing. When you learn how to do that, like you get to write your own checks in life. It applies in so many places. I mean, even law firm owners I've worked with who work on the copywriting skill, they say, my briefs are better. What I put in front of judges communicate better. I have a guy up in New York, right? Who he worked on his copywriting and he said, the judges love me because my briefs, they're like, this is fun. Huge impact. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's great news. Go it's, ahead, Michael. It's a very valuable skill, an invaluable skill, I would tell you. It's essential in everything you do, really, it could be applied to right? Everyday life, it could be applied to. But Charlie, obviously from theater to tell us a little bit about the journey to kind of where you're at now. What did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, wanting to be a father and husband, I was in college dating my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, mother of our two beautiful girls, Veronica and Cassidy. And I answered that Craigslist ad, started working for Ben and, you know, quickly was working in both his law firm, Ben Glass Law, and in his information marketing company, Great Legal Marketing. And over time, really shifted over into Great Legal Marketing and started diving deep into this law firm world. And, you guys, one of the things that I try to focus on, and Richard, I actually recall a very specific conversation I'm going to bring up here from last year that you and I had in the back of the room at one of the summits, which is I try and look for patterns. Like patterns are so important. And when you are an outside observer, like we are, of the law firm space, where we don't you know, we didn't come out of law school and are now looking at it from that level. We, we start looking at it from a larger macro level and we're saying, okay, where are the rhythms? Where are the undulations? Where are the things that stack together that make positive outcomes? I remember Richard, as a really good example, you and I were talking in the back of the room last year and someone was presenting, we're kind of whispering back and forth about like revenue levels in law firms. And we started talking about how many employees, depending on the size of your firm you might have. And 
I was talking about the person on stage and I said, yeah, they're about to enter what I know is a difficult time in the firm. It's going to be that period between $600,000 and $800,000 per year in revenue. And they're going to add the revenue, but they're barely going to add any profit margin in the middle of it. And you and I, like we're nerding out about this weird granular statistic, this pattern that we've seen. But that's what I started developing over time was just these catalog of patterns that I started saying, okay, what happens if we apply these patterns in a repetitive way to a practice, build great habits, build on great patterns and start working intimately with law firm owners and over time decide, Hey, you know what? It's time for me to take what I have cataloged and build an entire business around it. And so law firm alchemy was really born out of that. Oh, I love the uh, term alchemy, right? Yes. As, as our mentor, Dan Kennedy, wrote a book about, with that title as well. And he had always taught us that, you know, the idea of alchemy is creating something from nothing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's really a, a great image or a picture of what a law firm does. Not that they're nothing, but oftentimes they feel like they're in chaos and when mm -hmm. you get to apply the pattern recognition that you have and you can reveal it to them. And the great news about lawyers is once they get it because they're intelligent. Right. Yes. So so it's it sometimes takes a minute because they're stubborn and skeptical and all those other things, too. But they're really intelligent. So when the light bulb goes off, it's fun to watch them recognize the patterns and go, oh, I can apply that here. I was just having a conversation with a guest on the show today. Uh, he wasn't on the show today, pardon me. He was on the show in the past. His name is Bert Diener. And he's now built his firm to the point where he's what we call level four law firm owner. He's the investor level. He, he does, he's not even the CEO. Love it. He has a, an entire team running his practice. He's, his main job is opening additional offices across the United States. He's building a national practice. Wonderful awesome. thing. But he would tell you that, you know, six, seven-ish years ago, he didn't have enough for a plane ticket, even though he was doing millions of dollars. And he started recognizing the patterns that we were revealing to him. And he started applying those patterns. And today we were having the conversation about how he's now applying those patterns into workflow and to how to make sure we can maximize profitability and through point, throughput as outlined in the book, The Goal. And it was so much fun for me to just go, man, this guy, there's another pattern to your language. Yep. He's recognized and he's applying. And so I think it, one of my most uh, fulfilling parts of what I do. And I think now that Michael's doing it, uh, he could speak to the same is watching these law firm owners with their level of intelligence, grab these patterns, apply them in their firm on their own and start to see massive results, not just in the bottom line, although that's super important, but sure. in their own lives, right? Just, yes. I mean, just, they can finally get home in time for dinner or take their first vacation or whatever. And that's really the bridge from seeing these patterns over to this idea of what freedom could look like. I mean, Michael, are you seeing anything different than what I'm saying or do you agree with me? No, I mean, it's spot on. It's really fun to watch that light bulb moment, right? That the, the flip of the switch, it goes off. And to your point, naturally, because of their work ethic and what they had to do, they're, they're intelligent human beings. Attorneys are intelligent human beings. So when it does click, it clicks. And then that starts like the, the wildfire effect, right? When everything else starts to flow. Now it's, now they're invested in it. Now they love it. Now they're implementing. Now they're finding other patterns and it just starts to run from there. And that's a fun effect to watch. Um, so yes, I think you're spot on with what you had said there. Now, I, I'm curious, Charlie, um, 
in any journey, <laughs> there's ups, there's downs. Uh, did you ever have a, you know, like a challenge point in the entrepreneurial journey here and something you took from it? So the biggest challenge, honestly, was uh, I think one that a lot of business owners in general experience. Now, I wasn't a business owner at the time, but it was getting great legal marketing through COVID, mm. you know, right? That was the big one. Obviously, I could talk about launching the business itself. Those first couple of months are certainly, they come with their moments, don't they? You're figuring out, oh, I'm supposed to file taxes by when now? Excuse me. You know, I need to get a financial team and put all these extra things where I'm like, no, but you guys, you don't understand. What I want to do is I want to sell and I want to fulfill. Don't tell me about all this other complicated stuff. I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear any acronyms like HR or IT involved in my life. That's anathema to who I am. Yeah. Or uh, IRS. <laughs> see, that's the one I really want to avoid, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> So when I think about, you know, that it does go back to COVID to those moments of, I think this is an important lesson in it all. There were a lot of pseudo cash grab attention grab moments that came out of all sorts of coaching, information, marketing industries, et cetera. And I remember having to stand on principles and saying, look, at the end of the day, I get it. There's, I remember like Grant Cardone all of a sudden was saying, oh, you know, I'm going to give away my special formula, da, 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 free and trying to get, you know, 40,000 people on his list, 40,000 more people on his list or whatever it was. I remember looking at that and going, a lot of people are going to run in that direction. What if we don't? What if we actually focus on a core offer and making that core offer more exciting and more valuable upfront. So that way people don't have to be in as long, but they still have to pay the same amount upfront and getting us through that. And you know, the way that I framed it, even when I was working with private clients at the time was everything that you're doing now, understand you're building your future bank, right? And the value of that future bank is going to be defined by the principled fashion by which you build it. If you build it on like the Grant Cardone model of, a ton of just free, you'll get a lot of tire kickers, I'm sure. Yeah. Just like if in your law firm, I remember a lot of firm owners want to do, you know, hey, we're going to do free power of attorney, free this, free that. I'm not going to say it didn't work for everyone because by the way, one thing that I believe guys is absolutism is a myth. It's important in selling. Absolutism right. sells, but yeah. absolutism is not how uh, the world really There's works. There's lots of ways to get things done. Exactly. Yes. There's always lots of ways to get things done. But with my clients, I did emphasize, hey, when we build your future bank, we're talking about good relationships and getting people on there who are not, when it's time for them to hire you as their lawyer, they're not looking for discounts because that's not the reason they came on the list. The reason they came on the list was because you're doing the free gas card giveaway. It doesn't have anything to do with what you do. It has to do with you supporting the community or, hey, you're getting people on your list and you're saying for every person who joins my email list for the next 10 days, we're going to give $10 to the Red Cross or something like that. That's a way that we can now build your future bank when you may not have access to brand new clients because people were you know, in their shells. And so using the exact same principles in the business I was running and in their law firms, that was key to seeing our way through it. Yeah, it's a great observation. It, Kennedy taught us, and this, you know, it's go the opposite direction of the crowd, right? So yep. when, when everybody's going this way, most people are actually wrong. You probably should go this way. Even though you're right, there was some truth to what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Going the opposite direction is usually a good idea. I, I find that to be true in, in all of the business dealings and in life that I've always practiced. 
But one of the things that you interesting talked about is this creating this future bank. And we just had interviewed a, a new a client of ours that had been around now for about three years and he's soaring and it's been a great story, Jonathan Breeden. And he said he met us in the spring of, of 2020 during COVID. And I know exactly where he met us because I decided during that time I was watching everybody else go this way and give everything away for free. And I did exactly, it's funny, I did exactly what you just said, Charlie. The, the advice that you gave. Great minds. I did I did a day for you dollars for them and I did a charity. I think you guys even helped me promote it. And I just basically said, look, there's no amount. I'm going to I'm going to do a whole day, eight hours standing at my feet, talking to a camera, teaching you everything I've got for eight hours. Right. Not going to hold anything back. But here's that I ask. We, we, they, the Feeding America has this problem where they can't get enough food for people going through this thing. We're going to raise this charity. And, and oh, by the way, Maria and I, out of our foundation, are going to match whatever we raise. And we said, could we raise, you know, five grand, whatever. We ended up raising $30,000. Now, that's not all the money in the world. That, but the point was that, you know, future bank. Fast yeah. forward, Jonathan Breeden was in and around that presentation. And today he's been a client for four years, right? Look at that. And so it's just, and that's been good for us, for sure. Yep. But it's been really good for him too, because it, we don't think it's something we do to him. It's something we did for him and with him. And that's how law firm, and I love that attitude of, you know, serve. Even your t-shirt says it, right? How do we serve first? And when you think about it from that perspective, it's a game changer. And so, I mean, Michael, you were, well, you were just graduating college. You were just about to graduate college during that time. You graduated college during that COVID year, right? And, and it wasn't and the so, most fun. <laughs> no. So you weren't here for that promotion, but you saw what we were, everybody was going through, right? It, 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 it was yeah, a challenge. I, absolutely. So, and actually, believe it or not, I was there for that day because I remember you, I think you had, I don't know whether it was caution tape or something across your door and it's just like, don't enter this room. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I do remember that distinctly. And yeah, no, I mean, it was a very interesting time, right? There, there's just a lot of unknown during that time. Yeah. So to be able to come out on the other side stronger, that goes for Charlie, obviously you guys, that goes for us, that goes for all the law firm owners listening to this. It's impressive, something to pat yourself on the back for, because it was a very trying time, but absolutely agree with you on that. I'm obviously, Charlie, both sides of the equation here. There, there's ups, there's downs for you. What was that pivotal moment in your entrepreneurial journey where you had your light bulb moment? That's a really good question. And frankly, because of the business for me is, I mean, obviously I've been in this industry now mm -hmm. for 13 and a half years, but my company has only been around for a few months at this point. Yep. But the light bulb moment or the moment that I do love to celebrate is I had a vision for what it would look like at the end of the year. I had, you know, numbers that I wanted to hit. I had lifestyle things that I wanted to realize on my calendar, et cetera. And it, it was into the year and it, it made me nervous to have this particular vision because I just, I wasn't sure, right? Okay. I'm going out on my own. What is this going to look like? What is this going to feel like? It would be exceptional if by the end of the year, it looked like this. I hit that on day nine, I hit that on huh. day nine. Nice. of the doors being open. And Fantastic. some people will say, oh, you weren't, you, maybe you weren't dreaming big enough. No, I was scared, guys. I was really scared. <laughs> <laughs> then 
I set a brand new vision. And that vision I thought was going to take me to the end of the year. Well, I actually closed out that portion of the vision two days ago. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Nice. So, you know, it's been exceptional, but it is also the power of, you know, setting that vision of believing in yourself. And yeah, it's a vision that I knew that if I put in the work, it could be done, Mm -hmm. but it could go sideways. It could, there, there were all kinds of variables that were out of my control. But as long as I put in the work, I stayed consistent. I was unafraid of simultaneously serving and selling and leading all at the same time because, hey, we have adult brains here and we're comfortable with dichotomies or trichotomies and holding these sometimes differing concepts at the same time of I can both sell and serve to individuals. And these can be simultaneously true. I can both be a servant and a leader to them and I can lead through servitude. When I understand that these things can are not mutually exclusive of each other, that was what helped see that vision out. And so now we're looking at uh, vision 3.0 of the business, which I have set for August 1st of next year, you know, giving myself a tight timeline on it. And it's even more aggressive, bringing on new team members, really expanding. That's great. I've got a question regarding law firms. So you've working with them for a long time, small yeah. and solos, guys who have multiple attorneys, maybe some that have multiple attorneys, whatever. Yes. But as they walk in the door and they're coming into your world or the world that you were in before, I, I suspect you believe as I believe that we recognize that they don't do a lot of this forward thinking and goal setting. And I'm curious as to, have you put your finger on the pulse as to why they don't or didn't do it? And then how are you able to get them and motivate them to start doing it? I'm curious about your thoughts as there's this attorney listening right now, right? So maybe putting your finger or whispering in their ear going, I know what you're thinking, (laughs) right? And so what is it that, that you think that they struggle with the reason why they never thought this way or often didn't think this way, and then they were able to see the value in it and started doing it? In a word, identity. That's where I really come back to it. And I even say these days, you know, it's not really part of the 30 second elevator pitch, but if I have longer time on it, it's what I'm really fundamentally coaching is identity. And I'm allowing the entrepreneur that is inside of that attorney to become the primary identity for that individual, because the attorney has been taught to be reactive, to uh, allow the on-fire brain to exist as a primary source of identity for the individual and going around and saying, I'm a great problem solver. I mean, right, guys, how, how often have we heard that from attorneys we work with? I'm a and great are. problem solver. They are. Yeah, they, they are. are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what if we can tamp down the fire and we can turn that problem solving brain into the entrepreneurial challenges and we let them focus on that and we let them see like, hey, when you reforge your identity over here with the entrepreneur being your leading uh, business domain in your mind, because obviously it's really important to be a spouse, to be a parent. You know, for me, at least I, I kind of joke, like I can't coach a bachelor. I need someone who's going to be a, a, a husband, a wife, yeah, father, yeah, yeah. mother. I do better with husband and wife teams myself too. Exactly. Um, Not that I can't coach everybody, but I tend to, because I am a husband and wife team, right? I, I, my wife has been such a part of my business for so long. And so, yeah, I, you know, I, it's interesting. You say that about identity. I I never heard it put that way, certainly about our niche. Um, 
Michael, I think that he hit the nail on the head. You know, if we always wonder why they, how do we change their thinking? And, and so the question is, because as I sit here, I go, yeah, you got it. The, the question is, how do we get them to recognize mm. that the fireman mentality that they have to do the thing that they're best at isn't the thing that's going to get them to the next level they want to be at? That's the real question, right? Is it just one of those things where they got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're <laughs> ready? And that's always been my premise, right? Yeah. They just have to finally be ready to make the change. Or is it, can you will it upon them? I don't know. What do you think? You know, Richard, I fundamentally agree with you. And there's even a phrase that I, I say with my kids when we're talking about maybe something that they need to do, or they're talking about a gripe that they may have with a friend or something like that. And we use the phrase, we first help those who help themselves. Mm. Uh, and so that's what I'm really looking for is there are people out there who love to ignite the very, like before there's even a spark, they want to be there to create the spark. I'm really interested in working with people who have the spark and are going, okay, something's got to be different. Something is wrong here. I know life is supposed to be different. They just need some first steps. So there's this thing known as the Beckert-Harris change equation. And on one side of it, you have R, which stands for resistance. And then on the other side, you have three variables, dissatisfaction, vision, and first steps. Mm -hmm. So first off, if any one of those variables, and it's multiplied by each other. So if each one of those, any one of those variables is a zero, we remember, you know, or it took me a while to remember my basic <laughs> algebra. That means the whole thing is zero and will never overcome resistance. Right. right. So I need someone who is dissatisfied, yeah. who has some vision of it could be better. And uh -huh. most of the time, what they want to see, like when they first enter one of our universes, they need a couple of first steps. Like, okay, here's what you're going to do to shift up the way that you are tracking things, right? Let's get right. a couple of core metrics in there and stay obedient to these core metrics and watch what changes over the next month. You might be surprised at your behavioral change. Mm -hmm. Let's do this very simple referral marketing campaign. Just trust the process for me for the next three weeks. And you might be astonished at how you feel being in that position. And if we can win through a few first steps, now the vision gets bigger, which means the dissatisfaction with the current state gets bigger and we will crush resistance in the process. Mm. Tell you what, there's a pastor of mine that would have said, that'll preach, Charlie. I mean, <laughs> that's a message right there. Boy, oh boy. If you're listening to this and you realize that you don't have one of those three things, you're that's at zero. It's going to be really hard for you to get off the ledge. I mean, Michael, and I find, by the way, this is uh, age agnostic, right? In, in other words, it doesn't matter whether you're in your 20s or 30s, although we get more people in their 30s and 40s than we do in their 20s. Or if you're in your 60s or 70s, I, I, we have, Michael, we have a, a fair amount of, correct me if I'm wrong, chronologically advantaged attorneys in our <laughs> world. And they are just as hungry to learn as the ones who are in their 40s and 50s, maybe more so because they feel like the clock is running out. Do you agree with that, Michael? Do you see even the older generation is as hungry if they've got those three perspectives on the backside of how they're going to change? I do. And, and, and I think just as equally getting that wildfire that we talked about when it does click, right? When it does click, doesn't matter where they're at in their journey, it, it, it's on. Right. And, and, and they're running, they're going with it. You know, we've had several members as of late. LD is one of those members who, who yeah. is just 
it's clicked and, and he's ran with it and he's become such an ambassador for everything he does people in the program do it's fun to watch so i totally agree with you yeah charlie and, and, LD, the ld will be a guest someday he's he's 75 and he tells us he's going to work till nine he's 90 i believe him and he tells us all the time man i spent my whole life not doing these things i wish i would have known and but now he's got to learn a whole new set of skills because he's mm. decided to hire a bunch of staff that he now has to manage to do the work because he's grown so fast and he's never had to manage this many people before. And he <laughs> says he's burned out just trying to figure out how to learn how to manage them. So he's now learning a whole new subset after he grew through the last one. So it's fun to watch these stories, right? Oh, I gosh, mean, it's, yes. man, it's just, it's so rewarding. Sorry, Mike, I derailed us. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to, I mean, Charlie, it's been pretty exciting. Obviously, I, I've been following you on LinkedIn too. So I've been watching everything unfold, which has been pretty cool, but I'm, Curious for you, success habits. What do you do on a daily or a weekly basis that sustain your continued success? So as best as possible, I try and maintain physical health. That's really important to me. And I would say that I understand that there's, you know, we all have the burners philosophy, right? You have limited fuel that you can put in each one of those burners. So I understand, especially at this point right now, that the fuel can only go in certain places. I know I will never sacrifice fuel on my family because one, I gain energy from them and two, they deserve my energy. That, that's mm -hmm. a space where they can take from me what they will. So uh, to do that, I need to have small habits that add up. So small spiritual habits, right? 6.45 AM, I get my notification from my Bible app that'll have a quick little verse, allow me to kind of check in on that for the day, give me a little spiritual anchoring. Then I need some type of physical habit ahead of me. But honestly, guys, the biggest shift that I'm making right now to be able to perform at the best level is hiring more team members. I onboard an executive assistant. I'm handing off and delegating all the small tasks, right? It's a case of, and I know that you guys do this as well. It's practicing what we preach mm. is really important because it is also proof that when we go to one of these lawyers that we work with and we say, you should pay attention to other industries because they have great ideas. We can say, look, we're modeling the behavior in a different business type over here. And so I'm on, I've onboarded the executive assistant. I've got a program director starting two weeks from now. And that is just the beginning of it all. And that is helping me then find the time to stay physically fit, find the time to stay spiritually fit, emotionally fit and focus on my family. And yeah, that that's been uh, a rewarding and, and process, but a learning curve for sure. I think a lot of us who uh, feel like high performers when it comes to delegation, it, it sometimes takes a little bit of extra time to do it because mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we want it done right. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, we fall back on what we coach other people on. You know, Your right isn't the only right. Yeah, that's the that, and that's the truth. Which you know, it's a good segue because I, I know exercise is important and I do it, but I don't like it at all. I'd rather be found dead on the side of the road with a cheeseburger <laughs> in my hand than running shoes. That it. is just the reality. And my fuel is full, but I want it full in my butane lighter to light my cigar and I want my bourbon flask <laughs> full as well. I'm just going to be honest, right? Like, so I, I you do I, you. They're, they're, not everybody's right. Is they're right? I know it's not all good for me, but I do enjoy it. So it fills me in a different way. 
And so I think that most important thing is figuring out your spiritual, your habits, your spiritual habit is awesome. I do the same thing. I love that the Bible app, by the way, is now released the Bible project videos every morning. I don't know if you caught them or not, but they're great. So anyway, I too enjoy that. And I'm a streak guy. So I, you know, the Bible app guilts me into the fact that I didn't or did keep my streak for the week. And so I think, you know, daily habits are such a vital importance on the on helping you maintain the discipline which get you to go in the right direction to be at, at a performance level higher than you are right now and to stay at your optimum and having at some level solid balance is good. Michael, you're as balanced. I mean, you, I see it on your calendar every morning. You're going to the gym. When you're at the house, mom tries to give you seconds and you're like, no, she wants to shove dessert on you. And you're like, no, I, I ask if you want a cigar. You're like, no. I mean, you're not a teetotaler, but you're pretty balanced in the way you take care of yourself. Would you say that attributes to your success habits as well, Michael? Yeah, I think everything in moderation is good, right? You know, I, I for sure partake and enjoy in all of the above, but in moderation. And it, it comes back to discipline. I think that's the root of it all is discipline. And I think discipline is probably the backbone. I, I'm willing to say it's the backbone of every successful person is discipline. Without that, it, it, I find it very difficult to be able to succeed personally. And so I, I think if you can establish a sense of discipline, even if it's starting small, right, that yeah. sets the tone. Would you agree with that, Charlie? Yeah, discipline is so important. I, th I think about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't read that book, please read it. It's the one book I recommend on habits. And that rather than go other places, I say, look, just reread the book until you're actually doing what Clear talks about in it. And then, you know, I also think about Alex Hormozy who oh. sometimes he says, you know, some really wild things, which I love, right? We got to, yes. we got to have that in our lives. <laughs> but one through line on him is good habits over a duration of time that other people will not tolerate will produce success. We've all joked about like the overnight success is really 10 years in the making. That's right. what Hermosi is talking about. So many people really want to produce an actual overnight success. That's not what it's about. It is about staying consistent. Will you do the same thing every day for three years straight? Or are you going to give in three days into the project, mm -hmm. right? You got to, if you can go three years, same thing over and over again, serving someone every single day and finding an opportunity to sell someone something every single day. If you can match those things up for three years, you'll be fine. Oh, you yeah. will be fine. But most people give up. Great point. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Charlie, if, if for, as we're wrapping this up today, if people wanted to find out more about you or Alchemy that you work with law firms, tell, tell them a little bit how to get a hold of you. Sure. So if you're interested in, in particular, getting more referrals for your practice and guys, we could do like a three-day seminar on referrals alone. This is one of the things I've found has impacted law firms very fast is a good referral marketing plan. And if you go to lawfirmalchemy.com slash referrals, I've got a referral marketing playbook over there that you will, uh, if you're willing to follow it, put in the work, keep the habits going. It is worth at least half a million dollars to anyone who puts their hands on it. Uh, that's great. Michael, you want to bring us home? I'll bring us home. I think that's great, Charlie. Thanks for uh, the, the awesome offer out there. And thank you for taking the time to be on today. A lot of great value. And to the law firm owners listening, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, we love investing our time, money, and resources into this podcast. It's very enjoyable to do. We just ask that if this isn't your first time listening or watching, that you 
Go ahead and hit that subscribe button or that follow button, depending on the platform you're listening or watching on, and show Charlie some love down in the comments. What's one big thing you took out of today's episode? We, we'd love to hear. We'll make sure Charlie sees it. But again, to the law firm owners listening, thank you. And Charlie, thank you again for spending some time with us. Thank you. You guys are the best. You're serving at a really high level, and it's a delight to have this conversation with you. Charlie, I've watched you grow from where you were to where you are today, and I'm so excited to watch you grow from here. Congratulations on hitting your first two milestones. I can't wait to hear when you text me to tell me that you got your third milestone before August even happened, and I can't, I'm I'm excited to see what you're going to bring to this industry. Thank you for serving first and always and bringing it to the legal industry. It's an honor to be, be your friend and somebody that we interact with on a regular basis. Thank you so much for being here today. You as well, Richard. Thank you so much.